Right then, Jackie. Um, I just want to ask you some questions about the book, really. Um, okay, just so go for the, it. the listeners uh, can grasp um, what it's all about and how you acquired the book. Now, I was always interested from the moment you told me about it, but would you mind telling the listeners how you acquired the book? How it came Definitely, into your possession? Yes, yeah. Well, I bought the book off eBay. The book had originally come into the bookshop which I work at. I knew it was an interesting book and I'd done a little bit of research on it. Um, but I'd sent it off to the eBay department because I wanted it to go on the internet and I wanted it to go to the highest bidder. Yeah, of course, um, yeah. So I watched it for about a week and yeah. there didn't seem to be much interest in it. I don't know why. And I thought, do you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to put a bid in yeah. on that book. I could see that the highest bid that had gone in prior to me having a look was £150. Mm. I thought... This is I, I want that book. Yeah. So I went in at four hundred and fifty pounds. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that was it. The book was mine. No one went in with a bid any higher. Fantastic. So so that was the beginning really. And so yeah, bought the book home, and yeah. I was I was really chuffed to get it. You see, the I, journey I, started. I would have been exactly the same actually. I love a bit of history. You know, I can't believe how far this book dates back to, and how intact it is. How, how you've managed to you know translate all the words into everyday language now. I know. Well, of course, um, the book... That must have took some time. Oh, it did, do. yeah. I mean, when I first got it home and I started going through it... Did you just want to give up because it's just... Well, no, I, I didn't. I was so fascinated by it. As you know, the book is kind of in two halves because yeah. the book originally started in 1742 and the handwriting at the beginning of the book is was quite easy for me to get my head around and, and read... But then after the book had changed hands at Mr Baker's face mm. in 1827, yeah. obviously a new owner of the book and the handwriting styles changed, changed completely. And at that point, it does get quite difficult to, to read some of the handwriting some. in the book. I mean, some of the handwriting at the, the beginning of the book was a bit difficult to mm. read and a bit of a challenge, but even more so after the book changed hands at Mr Baker's face. but yeah. um, And it did take some time to do, I'm not going to lie. Early on in the book, where they're using flower, mm. and we know that as F-L-O-U-R, yeah. th- they're spelling it F-L-O-W-E-R. <laughs> so all sorts of spellings are different as the book sort of goes on and, yeah. and changes hands. And no, in fact, it could be the individual bakers, you know, the way they've written it into the book. Each baker's written their recipe in. So obviously for some, they were good at English and would have written it the way that we recognise. But others have written it the way they would have known. And, you know, hence the F-L-O-W-E-R's changes as it goes along. Brilliant. Just explain what our plan's going to be from now on. What we're going to be doing. Yeah. Because you're, you're going to be coming to my house once a month. And we're going yeah. to be... Uh, you know, cooking some of these recipes. Recreating them. Recreating yeah. them, yeah. And I think the thing to say, Lisa, is we're not professional cooks. No, not at all. And <laughs> the way we're approaching this is yeah. we're just going to go in blind. We're not practising beforehand. No. We're just going to get the equivalent ingredients mm. for today and the weights and measures. Yeah. And we're just going to go at it blind and just see how each recipe turns out. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So we started off, haven't we, with um, Shrewsbury cakes yeah. and 
Philadelphia, Philadelphia biscuits. biscuits. Yeah, that was a success. That was that was really good fun. I really well, enjoyed that, it. That's the surprise, isn't it? That it is yeah. a success. Yeah, um, yeah. Because we didn't know how they were going to turn no, out. We didn't all. know if they were going to be awful. But, yeah. um, but actually, tasted nice, and they're, they're quite attractive, weren't they? Wasn't they on the plate? Yeah. You know, so I mean, obviously, as we go through, and there are some quite extreme recipes in there as well. Oh like, yeah, there uh, is the pig's head, the salted tongs. So um, yeah. <laughs> we're challenging ourselves here. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and of course, the other thing to mention, Lise, is it's not just baking recipes. No. So we've got the savoury uh, recipes, we've got the medicinal recipes, drinks recipes, mm. preserve recipes. Yeah. I think I've covered them all there. Um, and some household recipes as mm-hmm. well. And I think as we go along, if there's something we don't know and we need to turn Stop to various and, people yeah. for help, I mean, we have people, met yeah. various people on the way. We will, you know, ask for guidance and information yeah. and uh, and see how we go. Yeah, great. Shall we say a little bit about what it looks like on the front cover? Yeah. When you look at the actual cookbook, the John Gosling cookbook, it's not a pretty looking book. No. It's a well-used, no. well-worn right. book, isn't it? Yeah. I would say it's got a vellum cover on the front. We can see his name, John Gosling, 1742 London. And then there is a chunk cut out the front of the book yeah. where somebody has written the name Mrs Barnum and then also just to say inside the book there's about 15 different people who have attached their names what does that to their say above recipes. It? Is that from Mrs Barnum? Yeah it is from Mrs Barnum but it, as you say it's not a pretty looking book it's well used it's well thumbed this isn't yeah. a book that's sort of sat on a shelf somewhere no, and not, not being used it has been used you can clearly see it yeah, has been used a absolutely. lot yeah and I would say the recipes in there, they were all handwritten in and they were meant to be passed down and used from friend to friend, generation to generation. Yeah. And in a way, I think that's what we're trying to do, isn't yeah. it? We're, we're trying to pass these recipes on mm. and see if they stand the test of time. That's right. And the other thing, just to mention, Lisa, is the, um, the herbs. There's some herbs and spices used, which we know today can be quite poisonous. So as we go along and we come across these herbs, we're, we're going to mention it and uh, obviously flag them up to, to anyone that could be listening. I mean, the, one of the recipes that we've looked at is raffa teas, which had the bitter almonds in. And of course, we've already discussed, haven't we, that yeah. bitter almonds, unprocessed bitter almonds, 10 to 20 of them could kill a person. So... Obviously. So we haven't gone down that. Road. No, we haven't gone down that. Road. We've gone for the bitter <laughs> almond essence. So, yeah. but obviously these are things to be flagged up as we go along. Yeah, and the bitter almond essence was sourced from just the supermarket. Um, so has been ideal, yeah, absolutely yeah. fine. Yes, it has definitely. Because you explain the book. Yeah, we it? could read that bit out, and then you could pick out a recipe from the book or some titles, and we could read that out. Yeah. Have you got anything? So that's. I mean, the the ones that I think are, uh, are interesting is uh, how I'm pronouncing it is like yellow yuskapa and green yuskapa, and that is the forerunner to what we know today as whiskey. Is it really? Yeah, yuskapa I think is in Gaelic. It means water of life. This predates the word whiskey coming into use. Oh yeah. But if you look at, um, if you look in the back on the recipes. Can you see, I've done medicinal yeah. beverages. So you'll find that one on the beverages as you go down. Then you've got the medicinal ones there. I mean, on the medicinal ones, you've got like that one there for the lowerness of the spirits. Okay. And for the night, plague water. Plague um, water? 
Yeah, from when the plague was going around London. Hang on, what's in that recipe then? Well, all, all sorts of stuff, oh, Lisa. So plague water, 62. Plague water. Spearmint leaves, fresh half a pound of angelica leaves. So Lisa, yeah, we're talking about this recipe that you found for plague water. And you were reading out all the ingredients that were in which was spearmint leaves, fresh half a pound, angelica leaves, fresh, sea wormwood tops, fresh, each four ounces, proof spirits of brandy, one gallon, and water sufficient to prevent burning. So plague water, I mean, I don't think either of us had heard of plague no, water. No, no, never heard of that, no. So plague water was a herbal medicinal drink which was infused with alcohol. And looking at the ingredients in this recipe, I can only think it was a preventative medicinal drink rather than some sort of homemade cure. So we were talking about spearmint, angelica and sea wormwood. So the spearmint, Lisa, this was a medicinal herb. And spearmint was also believed to have antibacterial and antiviral properties. And then angelica, well, angelica, again, is a medicinal herb long associated with St. Michael the Archangel. And angelica was thought to protect people from disease. Although, to be honest with you, I haven't, there's no particular good reason for this. I can't find out any reason why angelica would help. Now, sea wormwood is a really odd herb. Uh, It's native to Europe and Asia. It likes salty ground, and in Britain it tends to grow in salt marshes. It doesn't grow in many places in Great Britain, but it does grow. And it makes a bitter aromatic tonic, which was used as an old herbal remedy for treating fevers and aiding digestion. So sea sea wormwood is believed to have anti-inflammatory, antispasmodic, and antiseptic properties. This is a milder herb, in the wormwood family and although being a milder version it is still associated being quite stimulating and producing vivid dreams well i suppose we need to find out nowadays there's so many herbs in oh, yeah, here there isn't there? that really i you know i wonder how much work has been done into how much these herbs could help certain ailments today mm. that we've just we've long forgotten and long stopped using these herbs mm. what did you think of this one over the page lisa this recipe because this is a mammoth recipe isn't it <laughs> an agreeable water yeah <laughs> i mean what did you think when you looked at that one Anything I mean, that's in that we've just counted up and there's 17 herbs <laughs> added into this recipe it, and it just literally has the title, Agreeable Water. Yeah, Agreeable Water. We've looked at it. Well, shall I read it out? Yeah, just go for read it. it out. Yeah. So, Agreeable Water, Comfrey Flowers, Roots, Comfrey Flowers and Roots, Sage, Mugwort, Bugloss, each four handfuls, Betony, Sanicle, Oxidendrums, a quart of Figwort, Plantain, Agrimony, Roman Wormwood, Fennel, each two handfuls, long birthwort, century, tobacco, mint, high sop, each one handful, and wine, five gallons. Well, that's crucial in any medicinal recipes. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Cut and bruise the herbs, pour the wine over them, and let them stand in digestion in a warm place for five days, then distill in an alembic, with now there's one word there i can't quite make out 
so I'm, I'm not sure it's that important to the actual recipe but at the very end it says this water is greatly offered in all bruises and for washing fresh wounds and ulcers of all sorts crikey so my thoughts are that I hope that this recipe in its day was just used as a topical liniment and not to be ingested mm. as some of the herbs listed such as long birth wort are toxic and shouldn't be taken internally but I suspect, judging from the alcohol content, and I could be wrong, but it may have been used both internally and externally. Yeah. yeah. So real re uh, caution is required and homework will need to be done on some of these herbs. And most of the herbs listed in this recipe seem to have similar properties in that they were believed to aid and quicken the healing process in treating conditions such as bleeding wounds, sores, bites, stings and ulcers. And I think they were known as the wound healing herbs. So we've got uh, comfrey, sage, mugwort, bugloss, betony, sanical, oxydendrum, figwort, plantain, agrimony, Roman wormwood, fennel, long birthwort, century, tobacco, mint, hyssop. So tobacco, as well as being smoked, was also used medicinally as a herb to treat certain conditions. Because the resin found on the surface of the leaf was believed to help stop bleeding and to promote the healing of wounds and ulcers. So, Lisa, we've had a, a quick chat about these recipes, so we'll keep looking through them and seeing what we think, and uh, we'll we'll have another chat about them on another day. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll sign off for now on this on this uh, little chat, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye bye.